Welcome to the Soul Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Soul Love Side Podcast. I'm Christine, your host. I'm so excited because it's the month of October and we are kicking off our Domestic Violence Awareness Series 2020. We did it last year. We had a blast. We had, um, it wasn't live last year, so I'm excited that they're live this year so we can actually um, see our survivors, see our women that are so brave to come on here and share their story. I'm so thankful that we have Courtney with us here today. Um, how are you doing today, Courtney? And I'm going to share I'm the good. video so you guys that are watching definitely share. So how's your day going? I'm good. Thank you. I'm excited. I am too. I'm so, so excited. And I'm so thankful that you did take the time out of your schedule on such short notice to put up and come on here. So kind of tell us, tell us a little bit about you, kind of where you grew up um, and things like that. Like, how's your family? Um, what do they do? What do you do? Okay. Um, I actually grew up everywhere. I was a military brat. So we moved like every two years. Um, and with that, my brother and my sister were kind of like, my musketeers we were always together i have an older brother and a little sister um two years apart from each of them so i was playing sports with my brother playing barbies with my sister um every single weekend we kind of just had a ball by ourselves right um, my parents are like fantastic always up to do anything fun we were always going on vacations long road trips on every single move we visited everywhere um, and I think that's kind of translated into my adult life. I love to travel. Um, I usually go on a trip every year for my birthday with my girlfriends, and that's something I really look forward to every year. Um, we actually uh, with it being COVID, we were in January, so literally right after we got back, we were like, we just made it. And I was so thankful because I've been in my house the whole time, so I'm like, thank goodness we got a week out there to just have some fun and go see a place we, we haven't been to. That's exciting. So, um, so you all, so how many of you all go on your girls' trip? How many? Um, I think the most I've ever done is like five, and I, I'm pretty sure that's the cap. That's a lot of girls, a lot of girls. a lot of attitudes, a lot of you know, <laughs> something eventful happens every trip. Um, but it's always a good time. It's always fun. Where did you go last? Where's the last? We went to New Orleans. It was awesome because the SEC championship was there this year. So it was just nuts. Like, oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Like on bourbon all night. Have yeah. fun. <laughs> it was kind of scary. Like, I was like, let's go back to the hotel. We were all, we were all kind of like, after a while, we were like, it's time to go. It's <laughs> like a lot going on. In like places like New Orleans, like, it's always so many people. And if anything were to happen, like, where are you going? Because we're all standing on top of each other yeah. on the street. <laughs> Definitely. I think the last time I've been in um, New Orleans was for a Rihanna concert. <laughs> no, 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 Rihanna. I saw her here in DC. Oh, really? <laughs> Amazing. She's cool, most definitely. So yeah, um, the 
reason of this podcast, you guys, everybody that's watching, is to bring awareness to domestic violence. Um, it does go on. It does happen to both men and women. And domestic violence doesn't always have to be physical. Um, a lot of times, that's the first thing we think about when we hear domestic violence. Um, and a lot of times it is physical, but you can be a victim of domestic violence and be experiencing um financial abuse emotional abuse mental abuse so the things people say to you it can be abusive especially if they're um, projected in a controlling matter so Courtney's going to tell us um her story her situation that she's going through so kind of walk us through it from beginning to end take your time um well i had moved um, a little bit after college i moved to atlanta i didn't know anybody um so i made a couple of new friends um, I was really trying to get invested in my job. I really wanted to move forward and keep that consistent growth going. Dating mm-hmm. wasn't really something in the forefront of my mind. I did have like a dating app, and so I was kind of like, you know, swipe, 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 and I matched with my ex. Um, and he reached out like three times. Uh, I never answered <laughs> um, because I wasn't interested in getting in a relationship, but he was just really persistent. Um, so I, I was like, okay, we can hang out, we can get to know each other or whatever. But just so you know, I don't really see an injury in there. So you can bow out anytime. And he just stuck the course. Um, and in the beginning, it was just so much fun because he's so different from me. Like, as much as I would love to be very spontaneous and say I'll try something new, I'll do it. But I sometimes have like reservations, you know, he was just kind of like, Boom, we're doing it. Let's go. And right. And so our our dates were fun, and the trips he planned were fun. Everything about it was just I, I I felt like we just kind of fit each other. And you know, he actually ended up coming to South Carolina after I finished up one of my work trips. I had the weekend off and I stayed up there. He came and we ended up becoming a great meeting. That was like the first time really I knew how to think about him. Um, and he was just like, I know you said you want to be friends, but I see something else here. And he's like, I really care about you. I don't want to be friends. Let's, you know, let's please make this official. Mm-hmm. And I still said no. <laughs> um, but when we got back to Georgia, he didn't stop. And so we just, I mean, I fell for him hard. Um, I didn't see anything out of whack in the beginning. So how long was it before you really started developing feelings from him, like from when you first met him? Like into actually like liking him? Mm-hmm. Probably like a bit of initial, I would say. Oh, we were together probably like a month after just hanging out. Three mm-hmm. months ago, like in, I was like, oh, he's not so bad. Like, okay, like give him a chance, you know, because I'm usually that person's like, just leave me alone. I'm good. You know? <laughs> Like just kept trying, so I was like, "Well, what's the harm?" You know. Um. So after we got together, everything was fine. Um. We were still together like every day. We do dinner, whether it was at his house or mine. Um. All of my weekends off, any day I had off, we were always planning something. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was probably about, probably like a month into actually being official, is when we had like our first little piff and I wasn't used to that because I like we didn't argue um but I had a friend's wedding to go to and I was a bridesmaid and I just gotten the dress in so you know how that is you're like I don't know if it's gonna fit in a month or two but you know like can you at least try and zip it up so 
um, he came over to have dinner at my house. He helped me get in the grass. And he's like, yeah, I wonder if Billy's going to think you look great in that. And I was like, who? Billy. Which, yeah. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And, you know, just kind of, he was really snarky about it. Like, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. And so dinner was kind of awkward after that. Um, and basically, just he kind of just busted open at the end, you know, doing dishes. And he's like, I know that you're taking me to this wedding. I know what you're doing. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so by the time he left and like stormed out after arguing, mm-hmm. I kind of picked up on some of the phrases that he was using. And I realized that he was talking about a guy I met almost eight or nine months before I met him. And he was supposed to be my date to another friend's wedding that had already passed. But I didn't understand how he knew who he was. Oh, wow. So you all never had that conversation. So he just yeah. out of the blue. Yeah. And so later that night, he texted me. He's like, are you ready to talk? And I was like, are you? Because, you know, you're not ready to talk today. Jenner, I was like, this is well <laughs> And he was like, I just want you to stop lying to me. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know. And then eventually I was like, I, have you been going through my film? Because he was getting direct, like, quotes from me and my girlfriend in text messages. But it just didn't make sense because it was from, I mean, think about how much you text your girlfriends, right? Like, every day. Yeah. How much time do you have to scroll back and see all of that, you know? It just it wasn't making sense. And so, basically, I can't trust you, the sun. And I was like, I don't think I want this. Like, I don't need this. I mean, so I don't you know. have messages that you all sent, like, prior to knowing him. Yes. Like, I went on a date with that guy, Billy, eight months before. Before I even met my ex so that's why I was just like this is like talk about left field like it was, I had no idea where he got that from so basically that night I was like you know what I'm done like this is already like a little hostile I don't like the way you handled it even if you did have a question or an inkling about something so I, you know see ya. already showing jealous tendencies yeah, um, like the jumps. I bet Billy's gonna think you look good in his dress. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, and I, I was so thrown because I was like, what? Did, like, where did you get that? Like, what are you talking about? You know, and it was one of those things where even after he left, I'm still replaying it in my mind, like trying to figure out, like, like where did you get this? What are you talking yeah. about? So we didn't talk for like maybe two weeks or so and then he's you know hitting me back up like i'm sorry i screwed up you know i got really jealous and it's not the third and i'm like yeah but let's talk about why you got jealous you know um so he admitted to going through my phone um and i just couldn't figure out how he could have time to go through my phone um like to go that far back it's not like he just had my phone at his disposal um so, like when you were asleep, maybe he that's did. what I was thinking, yeah. And then, um, a group of my girls were all on the phone, and all my friends were really excited for me because I had been single since I was like 22, and I was 26 at the time, so they were like, This is it, like, yes, Ooh, yeah, yeah, my life. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm on the phone, they're like, What, it's over? I'm like, Yeah, dude, was tripping, like, this is weird. And they were like, You think he was going through your phone while you were sleeping? And I was like, I mean, if he's not colonel, because you have, you'd have to have all night to go through that. And one of my friends was like, well, what if it's just one of those apps where he can, like, mirror your phone? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think so, because he's not that tech savvy from what I know, you know? 
So um, he pretended to be. <laughs> right. So this almost, I think it was really like lightheartedly. Like I wasn't even, I didn't really believe it. Um, I typed in like apps, um, apps that like, I think it was like apps you can mirror or um, parental locks, you know, things for like cell phones. And Google gave me like, this of like 10 or 15. And I typed the first one into my app cloud and it was called Web Watcher and it just popped up right there, had a cloud next to it. And I was like, whoa, I've never downloaded that before. And so I clicked it and it kept opening and then closing, opening and closing, opening and closing. And so I called Apple and they were like, oh yeah, it's been downloaded. It was downloaded from, and they gave his phone number and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I, I don't even know, like, and Apple couldn't explain to me how it wasn't his Apple ID. It wasn't his cell phone. It wasn't on his plan. And yet he got that software onto my phone. And the girl. I was baffled because I didn't know this was a thing. Like, wait. <laughs> and, and, and had I not even, like, listened to my friend's suggestion and typed that in, I would have never known. I had no idea. Apple couldn't remove it from my phone. They told me to dish the phone, dish the phone number, get a new Apple ID. Like they could not, everything they were doing from the phone, nothing worked. And he could unlock his own cell phone from his house, from Alaska, and type in whatever code he needed to for that app, and he could see my phone. So that's how he found everything. He had screenshots from like my Facebook my messenger, my Instagram, my Snapchat, it was crazy. And there's nothing there was nothing for him to find, which was the crazier thing. Like Yeah. It was wild. Um so I called him out on it. He denied it, denied it, denied it. Um and so I was like, you know, there's no chance here. We're done. Um and to this day I can't really explain how. And I think, you know, now kind of looking back, I can see where Maybe he had started a few of his like controlling tendencies and started planting a few seeds because a month after that, we were back together. Convinced me that he had made a mistake and he was just jealous and it had been a while since he'd been in a relationship and he was just, you know, I'm so beautiful, you know, only guy could just come and scoop you up and take me away. Like just the, the dumbest things to, you know. What, what was the age difference between you two? I know you said you were 26 when this happened. How old yeah. was he at the time? He was 41. How old? Uh, 41. I like older. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but actually, it's crazy. At the time, I did not know he was 41 because he was 37. Yeah. So I didn't find out about his age until we were together three and a half months. Mm. So that was how did you find out he was wrong about his age? <laughs> he, we were at his house. Um, he stepped out to go get dinner, and I was trying to set plates at the table. And you know how something is just sitting right where it catches like the sunlight, you know, and it just kind of like glares. So I just like looked over and I noticed it was um almost like just a little basket, you know, that just had extra stuff in it. And when I looked in, it was one of his old college ID cards. I was cracking up because the picture, you know, it was hilarious. Everyone has funny pictures. <laughs> and so I realized there were more. So I'm just looking and looking. And I found an old driver's license. And his birthday was right, but the year was not right. <laughs> and so I was like, I've never been good at math. So I was like, girl, get out your phone. Get the calculator. <laughs> and so I'm just like, 
baffled. And to be honest, you know, the age doesn't bother me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't look at somebody and I'm like, you know, like, they're too old. Yeah, you know, like, I like a person. And I've always dated older guys. It's just something I've, I've a preference that I have. So, mm-hmm. if we had been straight from the jump, I don't, I mean, I don't know how everything would have started or anything like that. Maybe at the time I would have been like, mm, I think he's a little bit too old for me. But why, why would you hide that intentionally? Yeah. You know? It's more common than you think. Um, <laughs> someone close to me was dating somebody that was lying about their age. So, <laughs> I mean, there's so many other things that you, I mean, if you choose to lie, that won't, you won't get caught in. All I gotta do is look at your license. But in his defense, <laughs> my birthday is wrong on my license. Like the year isn't wrong, but they messed up the day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and I just haven't gotten the sticks because when I noticed it, by the time I noticed it, I went back up there to try to change it, and they were saying they were going to charge me to get a brand new license. I was like, I'll just wait. Like, y'all talked in this information. You had my birth certificate. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's crazy. So how did he react when you, did you confront him about that? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't know where you got 37 from. And I was like, your profile, your mouth, your text messages, like <laughs> the birthday card I was about to buy you. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like you told me then. He, and, you know, it was typical, like, narcissist, you know, behavior, like where every single thing I said was thrown back in my face. I was crazy. I made up that number. Um, you know, I don't know why you would think I'm 37. Are you disgusted by me because I'm 41? Like, are you disgusted because I'm old? And I'm like, no one said that. I just want to know why you were lying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're lying about something minute like that. Like, who knows what else you're lie about. Right. So, and I think that, you know, that was one of the times where I was just kind of like, is there more? Like, like, what am I going to find out next week? You know, it was just kind of weird. Like, most people, I don't think, would react that way if they got caught in something. Maybe you get a little upset, but the level of agitation and the level of like hostility that came from him, I was almost like, Ooh. like I just asked a question. I didn't come at him like, you know, any type of crazy. I was just like, wow, like, like why? It's just like, yeah. why'd you lie about? It was, a, it was weird. It was a weird situation. And then as soon as he was done, like spewing, you know, he was just like, I'm over it. We're done. And I was like, we're done talking about it. And I was like, okay. So, when's your birthday? Like, can I clarify? <laughs> I just want to make sure I got it right. Like, is that the real mindset you were born? Yeah. Wow. So, um, so back to leading up to the incident. Um, kind of walk us through there. So, did it start with the dress incident where he was being really insecure about Billy being at the wedding? Yeah. Um, it started with the control and the jealousy. Um, he had a long conversation with me about how he was an adult and ready for an adult relationship. And he didn't want me out partying, didn't want me out talking to other guys. I've had exes that I was still friends with, which I do. Um, I still have, you know, just because you date somebody and it doesn't work out doesn't mean that they can't be a part of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in his mind, that meant I was still free game. Um, so there were a lot of conversations about that. And at first, I had no problem standing my ground. I'm a very outspoken person. I speak my mind. I don't have a problem telling you what I think, how I feel, and when I feel it. Um, but every single time that I did, his response got stronger, um, more agitated. And sometimes, you know, it was 
it was like, you know what? I don't want to have the fight anymore. I'll just block the dude. Like, I'll delete this app. Like, I don't care. I just don't want to argue. I just want us to be okay. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, I, that's where it started. And I think that's really what led to the demise. Um, he was never violent with me in the beginning. It was always just the control and the jealousy. The verbal abuse started after that, where I could ask one question and he would freak out, name calling. Um, you know, how could you be so stupid? Like, God, where were you raised? You thought your dad was a pilot, so shouldn't you be smart? You know, like just like yeah, he would two things and just two opposite things, throw them in my face, you know, and mm -hmm. and then I think the emotional abuse came in too because he could hurt me and it was fine. And mm -hmm. if he was like, oh, sorry, it's whatever. But if I did something that he viewed that hurt him, mm -hmm. I needed to get down on my knees and beg for forgiveness. And, you know, I can't believe I'm about to lose the love of my life. Like that's the reaction he wanted. Um, and I didn't give it in the beginning because I was like, this is, that's not me. Like, you right. know, it was really strange. I don't know when it really changed. I maybe I think maybe it was at that point, like when we got back together, I kept it a secret. So nobody knew. Um, and especially my family. I was terrified of my family finding out because my father was just frightened, I think, by the first incident that he was like, This is not a good idea, you know? But obviously I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions, so there's really there's nothing else for him to say other than to give his opinion. Right. So I think my ex really took that time where I was being very private from the people I was closest to and acted and preyed upon that, um, mm -hmm. on that isolation. And it became him. That was the only person that I could lean on when I was frustrated, when I was mad, when I was sad, when I was happy. Um, and he he egged that on you know he wanted me to think that he was the only one there for me and i finally started to open up to people like oh you know we do say we're gonna try again obviously i don't think a lot of my friends were very negative about it i just perceived it as negative because they were voicing like i don't think this is a good idea for you and i'm a headstrong person so when i want to do something i'm going to do it and if you tell me that it's not a good idea i'm going to be like well who are you Right. Like, who are you? You know, that's just the way I am. I'm very stubborn. Um, and when my mom, I called her and my dad, you know, their reaction wasn't great. So I just was like, well, I'm just not going to tell you anything else about it. I'm not going to open up to you. So every single time me and my ex had a fight or we argued or, you know, things got a little bit scarier, I didn't open up to them. And, and I couldn't open up to my ex about it because it was going to lead to another fight. But my emotional attachment was just to him because he was the only person I could really latch on to. That's the only person I allowed myself to latch on to. Mm -hmm. And he knew that. And he yeah. definitely took advantage of it. Um, and they say that's kind of one of the first signs of abuse. Um, mm -hmm. The abusers try to get you to stray away from your family and not speak with them. Make you um, kind of grow apart and be totally, you know, dependent on them. Thinking like, this is my best friend. He's the only one I have to talk to. So if you're out there and struggling with domestic violence, you're in a situation um, and things just don't feel right, definitely reach out to somebody, anybody that... Um, and people are out there 
willing to help you and you know you you don't want to tell your family about it because they are the closest people to you you know they're going to worry they're always going to be on your side and if you decide to take them back that's another thing you have to do with like that split between mm-hmm. your soulmate that you feel like and your family um so that's definitely hard so um when he did start becoming physically abusive did he try to come back and apologize and say he wasn't going to do it anymore or did he just not feel every it time anymore? every time and it wasn't that he was sorry it was i'm sorry you made me do this to you mm. sorry that your actions caused me to hurt you um and that messes with the person because you're like what am i doing that's making me take the person I love and hurt me, you know, and you start to think back, like, what else could I be doing wrong? And you, all you want to do is fix yourself for that person. They're never going to fix their behavior for you, you know? So it was, it was really hard. Um, and I didn't have anyone to tell about it because at that point we were completely off the grid, completely isolated. Um, I did talk to my mom every day, but at that point I wasn't working. I quit my job because of him. Um, and I wasn't allowed to be on the phone by myself. So she was on speakerphone with me every day, and he was right there to make sure I didn't say something that was out of line. Really? I didn't say something that sparked concern. I mean, she knew, and mother knows, like, in the flexion of my voice, um, the, the phrasing that I used, you know, I never tried to do anything just to out him because at that point I still, you know, loved him. Mm-hmm. But she knew, my mom called every single day. And my best friend called every single day. My best friend and I don't get to talk. Like, we're one of those people where you talk, like, once a month for, like, five hours. Um, And I felt like it was a sign. You know, like, she never found that time. And she called me every single day just to talk to me. She didn't know anything. I didn't tell her anything because I, deep down, you know. Like, if you say something like that, person's going to take action. They care for you, and they're going to make sure you're okay. And I didn't want to worry, but she made a point of calling me every day. And in the end, she was the person who gave me the strength to call my parents and say, I, I need you guys to help me with this and I need to get out. And if I hadn't had her, if God hadn't provided her to me, I don't know what would have happened because I wasn't ready to reach out to my family on my own. I needed someone and God knew I needed her to give me that assurance and that strength in order to reach out. That's so amazing. God places friends in our lives that end up being closer than our siblings. Um, To be that support, that backbone, we definitely need people. It takes a village. Uh, We can't get through life alone. We need people that we can talk to. So definitely, you know, if you're feeling isolated um, or anything like that, talk to somebody. Um, I don't care if it's a friend, like your best friend you haven't talked to in 10 years. Reach out to them. Because like you said, God definitely places people in your path um, for different reasons. So, and I definitely understood what you're saying. Um, And that's a common sign of abuse where people try to make you feel like you're the problem. Mm -hmm. But it's not you all alone. It's the insecurities that they're dealing with. I felt like just from here in this situation, he was dealing with the insecurity of being old. Yeah. Can't picture age. 
Right, but it seems like he had deeper issues from the one him being that age and then the things he was doing, going through your phone, um, mm -hmm. speaking and putting tracking devices and all of that stuff on your phone. And that's, uh, so do you know how long it was on there before you realized Apple, and that was the cra even crazier, Apple had no idea when it was downloaded. They just saw it was downloaded. So, so Apple couldn't even tell you details about this? No. So you would have never known it was on there had your friend not. I would have never known. So what did you search again? Because I need to look. <laughs> <laughs> I just typed in like, um, I think it ended up like when I typed in like mirrored apps, like one of the things was parental uh, phone apps, like, you know, check-ins. Um, and so I clicked on it and it just gave me a list of like five or 10. This mm -hmm. one specifically was called Web Watcher. And it's for parents to view their children's phone, make sure they're not viewing anything inappropriate or anything like that. Um, I just... I don't know if it was some sort of tricked out app. Like I couldn't log in. I couldn't do anything. Um, and I had no inclination that he even knew how to do stuff like that at all. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't even figure out how to work, you know, Apple TV sometimes. I'd be like, are you kidding me? You know, but you know I'm going to put that on my phone? Like what? Like you know, or do a whole tracking device. Wow. Wow, that's that's something there. So, um, at what point had you realized that you had had enough? That you said, "Okay, I'm going to leave." Um, um, he was having trouble with work, and he lost his job, and it was a really tough time for him. Like he kind of crashed. It was a tough time for me because I wasn't working, um, and all it was his own fault. It was his own fault, and he refused to see that. Um, blamed everybody but himself, and he took it out on me a lot. Um, there were nights where I was sleeping in my car because I got home too late, and he wouldn't let me inside the house because he took my house key back. Um, the house you all got together, or was it? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and that was my only escape was like at night I'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna go get an ice cream, do you want one or something? And my like that would be the time thirty minutes at night I would call my best friend just to let her know, like, hey, like again and I'd come home and I wouldn't be able to get back inside the house. Um, but this particular day, um, I was FaceTiming my friend on my MacBook and the computer camera was facing my bedroom door so she could see it. Um, and I could just see in the reflection. He was loud downstairs. I could hear him FaceTiming. So I assumed he was talking to his cousin. It's like the only person he talked to. And I could hear him coming up the stairs. So I was like, just praying, like, please don't do something that is going to be crazy, wild, embarrassing. Um, and he just busts through the door and his gun's in his hand. And I'm just, you know, like, I, that's all I can see in the camera. And I see her face. So I just slammed the computer screen down, it's like, oh my god, and I looked at him, and I, I didn't say a word, I couldn't say a word, I, 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 did, I think that was the first time in my life where I can truly say I was speechless, I didn't talk the entire time that this happened, and he just, like, walked over to one of the windowsills in the room, he sat down, and he's just looking at me, just with a Cheshire cat smile almost, you know, like, just creepy, um, and he's like, I can't you know, how to solve our problems, and I was like, enlighten me you know like what what is this um and he's like i'm gonna kill every single person on that board of his what? job uh, for his job that fire. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I was just like, I think probably my jaw dropped, I think it's because I, I still didn't, I didn't make a sound. It was honestly, I could feel my heart just pumping. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they wronged me. Um, they've put us out on the street. You don't care what happens to us and they need to pay. And I was just like, whoa, like it was next level. And the whole time he's walking me through like his plan, he's emptying the clip of his gun, he's pouring the bullets out. He's like feeling the bullets, looking at them, filling the clip back up, putting it back in the gun. And just, he's just doing it over and over again. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'll probably get caught. And I was like, yeah, probably. And he was like, from there, you know, he's like, what am I supposed to do? I can't support you that way. Are you going to come bail me out of jail? And he was like, I don't think we're going to make it out of this. And I just looked at him and he was like, would you tell on me? Would you write on me if I did this? And I didn't say a word. And he was just like, I don't want anything coming between us anymore. And he's like, this is the last thing that's going to come between us. And um, take your time. He turned the gun and he's like, I could end it right now, you know, pointing at me. And I was just like, oh my God, like. So had you all been arguing up until this point, or he was just. There was like a couple of tips just because I kept finding out stuff. Like at first it was like, I'm on probation from my job because of A, B, and C. And then a letter came to the house saying that he had been terminated and this was a severance package. And I was like, what's this, you know? Um, so he was mad that I found out. Um, and then he was like, they forced me out. You know, it was like five different stories. And then he was telling me that the sources were all lies, but all the people that were the sources, they, they wouldn't be able to make it up. There's no way that they would lie about it. Um, and when I got a full, there was all this paperwork that gave a direct quote for things that he had said and done. I was like, it sounds just like you. Like, you know, faking it and being, you know, he, I swear he had two, two sides of himself. So when he's being his professional self, you'd never guess. But the minute you get him just a little bit out of his comfort zone, he almost like is in a manic mode. So he says crazy things or has little spurts, you know, and it's kind of like, whoa, dude, like, chill out. Right. So all those phrases and all the things that they said they were doing, I was like, I could see that. I could see it. And he was mad that I believed him. Um, he started saying stuff that we were just going to pack up our stuff and move back to, you know, where, where we came from in Georgia. He's like, I'm not going to pay rent at this house anymore. And, you know, at this point, I'm not working. He had... I had maybe like twenty-five dollars in my name. He had taken all of my money out of my accounts. Wow. There was nothing that I could do. Like I couldn't even pay for like I mean I guess I could fill up half my tank to get back to my parents' house. I was you know, five hour drive. But there I just felt stuck. And I think because I felt stuck, I was frustrated and I didn't talk. Um, I barely ate. I was like up all night, but slept all day. 
um, because he wasn't working, I didn't have that little bit of like eight hour freedom in the house by myself, you know, so I just had kind of like given up. And because of that, you know, I think when somebody reaches a breaking point, you start mouthing off. So I did like, you lied. How dare you? Like, what are you going to do? Get a job, like figure it out. You're 41. Let me, you know, let me make that clear for you. You're an adult. Figure this out. Right. I think for somebody who has to be in control of every single situation, it can control the people that are in their lives, that requires them to act out more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what caused him to have more violent outbursts with me. Um, because he had never done that before. It literally turned physically violent within the last month. It had never, I'd never seen a sign of that. I was never scared of that. And when it happened, I was almost like in shock because I was like, I, you know, I didn't see that coming. Right. Um, so I think it was just me standing up for myself and being over it entirely where I was pushing back and he didn't, he didn't like that. Yeah. He wasn't used to you doing that. So how long has y'all been in the relationship at this point when? Like nine months. It was fast and you know I think that was something else I think that freaked everybody out because I'm not like that like one I don't just jump into a relationship um I don't I don't date very much so, you know my family was like oh you're dating someone okay oh you're living what <laughs> you know they were like that is not like you and that and when I putting out the idea, like, oh, you know, he got this new job and he he did it for me and you know, we're going to get this beautiful house. When people were like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. It just pushed me more the idea of he knows what's best. He's doing this for us. He's doing it for our future. And I swear, like, a diabolical mind, like, he planned the whole thing. I, there's no way for me, you know, me to not see that. Like, now looking back, I, it's like step one, step five. At 10, like I can see how he played the whole thing out. Yeah, so you kind of looked back and saw like the red flags that you had kind of yeah. overlooked. Yeah. Even if it, like, it may have been nine months, but I swear I probably aged like 12 years. Like, mm-hmm. that, like that was the scariest, like, time of your life. Yeah, it was so frustrating and like tiresome. I was so tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that like it was a miracle I could even walk on my own is how I felt like you like I needed a walker wheelchair I just felt so winded oh wow so back so when he was sitting there with a gun saying that he wanted to kill his co-workers um so he turned the gun on you mm-hmm. and was he threatening to shoot you or he was yeah. just kind of like he was starting to shoot me. He asked me if I'd ever leave him. Um, and I, at this point, I still hadn't said anything. <laughs> so I was trying to shake my head. And I don't know if I did or if I just was staring at him blankly because he screamed it next. And he was like, are you going to leave me? Do you need to tell me? Are you in this for the long haul? Do you love me? Are you a real woman to stick this out? Stand by your man. And I know I was crying because I could feel it, but I, I couldn't speak. And I think, again, you know, I think that's where God kind of intervenes because 
I think in, in other situations, just not responding would be enough for someone to have another trigger and be like, that's it. Yeah, right, yeah. But with him, he just started laughing, like hysterically laughing and dropped the gun and no joke, walked out of the room, closed the door and walked downstairs. Like nothing happened. Like nothing had happened. I mean, it was crazy. He was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, well, that's not funny. That's not something that you no. do to people. So, did y'all ever talk about that after it happened? No. Um, the next day, he acted like we had just went to the county fair. He run me like a bear or something. Like, he was so in love. He's like, good morning. And I was like... Like a totally different person. Totally different person. Um... I just wasn't prepared <laughs> for that, like the switch. It was so weird. Um, no, and, bipolar disorder is what it sounds like. Yeah. I honestly, I wish that I would have like investigated a little bit more, like and seen like, are, there's some medicine I don't know the name of. Is there, you know, does he have doctor's appointments that he's just saying as a you know a checkup or something? But maybe he's going to see someone. There's nothing wrong with mental illness and and having those issues if you're getting checked out and you're taking care of yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself and you don't have someone to help guide you through that and help you through getting to a better place, you're not just putting yourself in danger, you're putting everybody else around you in danger. And we could have tried, I mean, I don't think it ever would have worked anyways because of how you know sick of a person he was, you know? But if it was just a regular relationship and that was something that we were struggling with, that would have been, I think, a natural thing as a couple to say, let's work together on this, which is, you know, what I would have hoped and what I would have wanted. Right. So, um, that just kind of baffles me how you kind of like switched up from person to person. So how was your relationship with his family? Did you have one? Did, did he ever introduce you to them? I met his mom. Um, and I met his cousin. His cousin was like his best friend. His dad, I, and you know, I could be telling you things that are a whole bunch of lies. I'll never know. Um, as far as I know, his he said his father had passed. Um, mother was a really nice lady, a little rough around the edges. Like, kind of see like you're definitely her son. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But she was never rude, never called me out of my name. Um, she did voice her opinion that our age difference was an issue. And um, not in regard to me. She was. I overheard her one day like, you know, you need to let her live her life. Like, he's too young. You need to go and find somebody your age, you know. And yeah. Um, other than that, she was super nice. Um, she didn't think that we should be living together when we, you know, got together so quickly. And I remember her being very outspoken about that. Um, his cousin was super nice. Uh, he, we didn't really interact that often. Um, but he did call me one day when, um, a lot of, before the, before the gun situation happened, he called and, you know, told me like, I think you need to get out of this. I've seen him, you know, have this sort of reaction before, um, the last girl he dated, you know, didn't end that long. And that was kind of something that was like. If his family's telling me this, you know, like, you know, you know, it's like something's going to happen. Um, so I wish his cousin would have said something sooner. There are other opportunities, I think, where he could have 
shed some light on maybe you know, a little foreshadowing and that would have been much appreciated. Um, but I think he noticed at the same time I did when my ex took a whole turn for the worse that like, there's no way that we're going to be able to pull him out of this, you know, and he wasn't in the state or anything. So he was like, I just think you need to reach out to your family and see what you can do to get out because he's like, I don't think this is healthy for you. So I've always thought very highly of his cousin. Um, he's never spoken badly to me. It's just, it was, I didn't see how they could seem so normal and my ex wasn't. That was the weirdest thing. Yeah, so when the cousin was telling you this, what was kind of your reaction, your thought process at this point? Were you I like crying? <laughs> I think I, I don't usually cry. So I like, I think that like last two months we were together, I think I cried like every day. I was just like, one, I was angry because I was like, you talk to me just as much as you talk to him whenever you know you guys are facetiming or on the phone like you could have said something like he had my number which i didn't even know you know like he could have called he could have texted me and just let me know so i was kind of angry when he called me after things really started to get bad i don't know if you can blame somebody for that you know i'm sure he went to my phone. probably knew that the, uh he was looking at your phone and stuff he yeah was you need to delete this call as soon as we're done and i was like i already know like I know you know. oh yeah i and i i was already in the practice of that you know i had an ex reach out to me while we were you know still together um in our house and luckily you know he was at work so i was like you cannot reach me with his number and i was like deleting every single message because i was like he's gonna come home and do this and you know that's it um, apparently he had a pattern of doing this if his family yeah. to the point where they want to warn females so did did you ever call the police on him like even dealing with the gun no um, honestly I, I was really scared mm -hmm. and the area of town we were living in was I would say, you know, there's there's racial tension. And so my ex was white. Um, and one of the things that played into my mind was, even if we call the cops, like, are they going to believe you? Um, okay. that, that brings a twist to the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration, but you know, interracial relationships are just a tough relationship anyways. Um, it's yeah. hard to deal with, you know, um, and you know, and it's sad to say, you know, I don't want to send anybody, you know, I believe that police officers are there to protect and serve. And I think most of them do a great job of doing that and upholding that law, but there are some that are corrupt. There are some that might not see then they may not see everything, you know, because they have a like, like person in front of them. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. but I see my fellow man in front of me. He's a good guy. He's got this job. He's well known throughout the community. He wouldn't lay a hand on her. Or, you know, he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. Um, and that was something he said. Even if they did believe it, you have some people that wouldn't voice, that wouldn't voice it. They're just trying yeah. to get through it. Um, and that's the type of corruption um, we like to try to bring awareness to. Mm -hmm. um, 
hence the reason for this podcast and many more to come. <laughs> so it was kind of to the point you were scared to call the police. His cousin yeah. had warned you. So did his cousin warn you before or after the gun incident? Before the gun. Okay, before the gun incident. And then that happened. So how did you leave? Did you have to make an exit plan or... Was it just like y'all disgusted and he knew y'all going to go your separate way? Okay. Um, I had told him that I've been interviewing for jobs because at this point he did not care about getting one. Um, so I was like, well, you know, we got to pay rent somehow. Um, so I did book a couple of interviews. After a while, I just didn't see a point in going to them. So I kind of skipped on a few. Um, one day, he came upstairs and he's like, "Hey, like, someone just called. Um, we had a house phone, just you know, as well as cell phone. He's like, someone called, left a message. Um, they wanted to make sure that you were still confirmed for this interview. And I had no intention of going. Um, and I realized, you know, I ignored my mom's phone call twice that day, that morning, um, because I knew there was, I wasn't going to be alone. So I was like, I just don't need this right now. Um, and I was like, you can call your mom and act like you're going on an interview. So I texted my mom um, after he left the room. And I was just like, I feel sick. Like, I felt like there were a million textbooks on my chest. I was like, I can't breathe. I just feel... Yeah, like stressed. And I, I, like, I can't make a move without this person saying yes, no, or maybe. And I... I didn't hint at any of the abuse at all because I know my parents and it would have been SWAT team, all of it, you know, and I just, <laughs> as much as I knew that my ex was in the wrong, I still didn't want anything bad to happen. You still love that person. You want to protect them as much as they don't care about protecting you. Um, so she was like, call me. And I said, do not call the house phone. Like, I will call you in 20 minutes. So I got dressed. I faked like I was going to my interview. Mm -hmm. He kissed me goodbye, wished me luck. He's like, I love you so much. You're going to knock it out of the park. And I was like, hell yeah, I am, because I'm getting out of here. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I was pumped and I was ready. Um, I drove to the nearest grocery store. I was parked there for like three and a half hours. I called my mom and again, just bawled. Like, I stopped. And, you know, you know, when you have someone who loves you unconditionally, even when you make a mistake or you use the wrong path, like, you know that you can just collapse and they're going to be there for you. Um, yeah. And she was, you know, she asked, she was like, we can't get down there tonight, but, you know, we'll come in the morning. Are you okay? Are you scared for your life? Do you think he's going to hurt you? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, he would never do that. Like, I just let them believe that it was a really, really bad breakup. Um, and I called my best friend. I told her what was happening. She's an angel. Um, she and her husband paid for my U-Haul because I didn't have the money for it. Um, they scheduled it in her name. Um, and so my parents came down the next morning. I went back to the house um, that afternoon and I just acted like I came back from a great interview. Um, and I was gone longer than he wanted. Um, so he wanted to know where I was, who I've been talking to. He accused me of meeting somebody from Tinder. Um, just all these crazy things. And yeah, that day he attacked me in the shower. Um, I was trying to shower and just go to bed and he like kept ripping the shower curtain open. I wasn't answering him because at this point 
I almost just got like some cojones, you know. I was like, I'm going home. You can't hurt me tomorrow. <laughs> and um, I was just, you know, instead of cowering, I was just like, leave me alone. I don't have anything to say to you. I went on the interview. I came home. Track my phone. You, you can, you know, go ahead, do it. Um, and it wasn't the right response. And I, sometimes I wish I would have just been quiet because he took my head and he slammed it into the shower tile. Um, so I just kind of, you know, fell out. Um, so he knocked you out. Like he knocked you kind of like unconscious. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't unconscious. But I was definitely like, not day. it was almost like cartoons where like the birds are flying around you. Uh-huh. Um, I, and like, <laughs> I couldn't really feel the water at first because the shower was still on. I was just like, whoa, like how did I get down here? Um, so, you know, later that afternoon or that evening, it was like around nighttime. He acted like nothing happened. He's like, how's your head? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, dude, you know, uh, I didn't talk the rest of the night. He, at this point, we were sleeping in separate bedrooms because he had broken my bed. Um, so I told him he could sleep in the restroom on his bed since his work. <laughs> so he you know, was giving me a kiss, hugging me, telling me how much he loved me and how glad he was that I was sticking this out with him. And like, that was the first time he kissed me and I was like totally repulsed. I was just like, oh, like, I cannot wait to get away from you. Um, and that morning I knew it was going to be a struggle because the old, that house was old. I didn't know how I was going to get out of the house without him hearing me. Um, we had two dogs. So I was like, as long as I can get to the car and start the car, I'm fine. If he gets me at the door, if he catches me on the stairs, like, I'm screwed. Um, so I didn't wear shoes. I had on socks. I, like, tried to remember which steps creaked. Um, I texted my parents. We had a specific time plan, you know, timeline, everything. Um, and I told them, like, if you don't hear from me by this time, we got to take other steps. Um, you know, you're going to have to reach out to someone because, you know, I'm not coming to you if I can't get out of the house. Um, and again, grace of God, he didn't even wake up until after I woke him up and I got back to the house. And on any other day, he would have been right there, like up out of the bed, where are you going? Um, so, you know, it's, it's amazing the things that God can do for you. Yeah. yeah amazing because any other day I would have been gone there. Um, I met my parents at the U-Haul and my dad and I were so freaking close, you know, like we're the exact same person, um, that sometimes it's difficult to have, you know, opposition. And he was very much against me living, you know, with a man before I was married. And that almost kind of put like a little, not a divide, but it was a little friction between us. So we didn't talk as often while I was living with my ex. Um, and I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know if he's going to be mad at me. And God bless him. My dad just held his arms open. I just, I fell out on my dad and my mom. Like, I just was like, this, I need this. Like, that is what love feels like, you know? And I never, like, I just didn't want them to let me go. I didn't care if I left with just my car. I didn't care if I just took that U-Haul and lived in a U-Haul for a month. I just wanted to, to be with them and to be away. Mm-hmm. Um, we drove back up to the house. I told my dad not to drive down the street with the truck because... Um, my ex had two guns, and again, when he is displaced or uncomfortable, he gets manic, and I didn't know how that was going to play out, which is why I didn't tell my parents about what was happening, because mm-hmm. my dad and my mom would have came in there like, let's go, bad boys three, you know, <laughs> put your hand on my daughter, and as much as I love them, and as much as I would have loved that support, 
I would have never been able to live with myself if something happened to them by the hands of that man. So um, my mom stayed parked outside, but she was kind of like by the door um, so that she could like hear if anything got out of whack. I said, just let me go and talk to him and tell him what's happening. I'm telling him that you guys are outside. And if I don't come outside in seven minutes, seven, I was like, call the cops. Um, and my dad was like, okay. And I went upstairs and I was like, hey, like, can we talk to you? Did you wake him up at this time? Yeah, I just knocked on the door and I said, I need to talk to you. He was just like, I guess he thought maybe I was just coming back being like, you know, I'm sorry and I should do better and I'm going to do better for you. Right. Um, and I told him, I was like, I've got to go. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm going to go back to my parents house he's like for like the weekend and I was like no like I'm leaving um and I've never seen this happen in my child like he was a grown man it was looking like he was like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum he started throwing stuff he was punching the wall he was crying like on his back kicking his hands and his feet like you can't leave me don't do it and I'm like whoa like that's what I was looking at like I was not expecting to see that at all yeah. Um, he's just like, how could you do this to me? And I was like, dude, you sick. How could you do all this to me? And you're not Bang my head in the shower Yeah. And it was all about him. So I told him, I said, look, you've got 10 minutes. If you want to get changed and spend the day out in town, it's all good. We're going to be here packing up my stuff. Um, I didn't want you to feel like you're in an uncomfortable situation. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want my parents to be uncomfortable. He was like, this is my house. I'm not going anywhere. I was like, cool. I'm going to go get my parents. Yeah. Um, and we went in. We got stuff done. Um, he kept trying. I mean, typical behavior of someone who's an abuser or a narcissist. Um, you know, hey, guys, how's it going? How are you? How was the drive? Like, What's going on? <laughs> my dad's like, the drive down. Like, dude, are you crazy? Like, I mean, my dad's fist was, I mean, oh, my goodness. It was so uncomfortable and so tense. Um Throughout the process of us, us putting stuff on the U-Haul truck, there was two things he stole off of the truck. I found out about months later. Um, just anything, you know, and, and it was just a ploy to try and get me to respond, a ploy to get me to come back and pick up my stuff from him. He was just crazy. It took us most of the day, um, like most of the morning, really, like by 1.30, I think, we were on the road. Um, and it was a hard day because even though I knew I was doing the right thing, I was still bonded. So as much as it felt positive, it felt negative, and I felt like I was betraying him. Um, and he had no problem letting me know that he felt betrayed, and that was even worse. Mm -hmm. It was a, a, a long day. I got in the shower when I got back home, and I just, like, I cried. Like, you would think that no one would have any more cry, like, tears left. I just could there was, I was like the freaking Titanic, man. Like, I just could not hold anything back. I couldn't hold anything in. It was like all that pain and that hurt. Finally, just, I felt free enough to release it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to feel it. It hurt so bad. Wow. So, um, so at the point that you all were moving out, your parents didn't know that he had been physically yeah. abused at that point. My mom told me that she suspected, not the physical, but the emotional and the verbal. Um, and she knew about the financial. Like she found out about that. But, Never physical, and she never said anything to me. And I think that was because she was trying to respect me, like where I was, you know, where I was at. Um, but when I started opening up and telling her, you know, she was like, 
I had a feeling. Um, and she was like, you just didn't even sound like yourself when we talked. Mm-hmm. Wow. So after that, with you leaving, I know it was, an, it was a very emotional um, breakup. Because, you know, once you've been with somebody for so long, you are emotionally attached to them. You have those old ties. And you're just not used to living life without them. So what was kind of your your coping mechanism to get over him and just get past that part of your life to where you weren't thinking about going back or feeling guilty for leaving? Um, at first, I didn't have a good one. You know, it was just act like it didn't happen. And when you go through something traumatic like that, I think that's the worst thing you can do is not face what happened because all it did was hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was scared to leave the house. Um, so I didn't really go off and do errands or anything like that. I usually just, I was at my parents' house because I didn't have a place to go. So I asked them to go and, and get me stuff. Um, the few friends that I was, um, spending time with did a great job of trying to like, just let me be me and like kind of let me lead the way. I had one friend that tried to get me to date again, and that was awful. And, you know, that did not help in any way, shape, or form. Um, I need a moment before I. In the midst of trying to move forward, you know, my ex is still blowing up my phone every day, and so that was something that made it really hard for me. Was Courtney, I love you so much. Please, like, you know, I thought we just needed a break, like. And it went from those who, I hate you, I can't believe you did this, to, I love you, please take me back, you stupid effing, you know, whatever, like, just crazy back and forth, back and forth. Um, he was stalking me, found out where I worked. Um, I So that's when I tried to get a protective order. They wouldn't issue me a protective order. Um, there, I couldn't sleep. So, and the whole time, nobody really knew. At one point, I kind of made like a general statement, but I don't think anybody really knew what I was dealing with and what I was holding in. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was so angry. And instead of just being angry at him, I was angry at my friends. I was angry at my family. Like I was angry at myself and I was embarrassed. I had pride, you know, that I just felt like was shattered. And there was um, one day where I couldn't sleep at all, like could not sleep. And um, I just got this like, notion to write. Um, and I used to write when I was little, but I haven't done it in so long. Um, so I was just like, well, I don't know I'm gonna write. But in the middle of the night, I just pulled out my phone and I started you know, writing in the keypad or the notepad. And it was kind of just like a story of what I went through. And I didn't intend to do it with anyone. Um, it was just kind of like for me. And when I reread it, I was like, that's freaking powerful. Like, and, you know, I was like, oh my God. And then I reread it again. And I was like, Courtney, like, that's your story, you know? Like, so testimony, like, yeah. yeah. And in order for you to, to understand what you went through, you've got to confide in someone. And it didn't even have to be a physical person. I could confide in my phone, right? I could keep writing these stories, anything that was going to help me release it. I wasn't admitting what happened. So it was just sitting at me and sitting at me. I I was too scared to really tell my family. I was kind of nervous about how like the general public, my friends, you know, um, and I had friends everywhere, you know, being grown up all over the place. It's not like it was just like a small town, you know. Yeah. I didn't know how that was gonna be received. I was nervous. Um, but the minute I wrote it, I just felt like a little bit of weight was lifted off. So I said, I'm just gonna start like that. Just write a little bit more and just keep chipping little pieces off. Um, and I would say that 
it's been two years this September. About a year in, the last year was probably the first time where I felt like there was a breakthrough. And that's a long time to heal and have some hurt. Um, so my, my, I think my point in saying that is you don't have to tell someone because that is very delicate and intimate decision for a survivor to, to make. But you've got to find something to do that's going to allow you to release some of that hurt, that hurt and that pain. Otherwise, it's just going to wallow in you and you're not going to heal. Mm -hmm. um, you can't try to go back to being that same person. You're not that person anymore. That was really hard for me. I was kept trying to force that. And I'm not that person. I'm, I'm different. I've changed, you know? Um, and within the last, like, probably since, like, January, I think, it, you know, I, I felt, like, genuinely happy. Not putting a smile on for Instagram or, you know, not smiling for a picture I'm out at a bar with my friends. I genuinely felt happy. And this year, around March, or I think, like, March or April, both my parents were on, a, a like, a little zoom call and they were like court like it is so nice to see you smile and my dad said it was like the first genuine smile he had seen for me in so long and that spoke to me because i was like it's not just me feeling it other people can like feel it you know yeah. that's so awesome that i i know it's working might be slow might be a little slow but it's working and i feel great you definitely have to trust the process. Um, I know that was kind of one of my healing mechanisms. I went through like a very bad divorce. Um, kind of more like mental and emotional abuse. I was, But to really kind of write it down and release it. I actually wrote a book. I wrote it in like nine days. I haven't really just been sitting there. It's like sitting on my computer on a USB drive. Because I just don't, you know, I don't know the direction I want to go with this. Have you ever thought about, like, publishing what you wrote? or? Um, I, I did, actually. So, oh, I wrote, yeah, and I, I didn't think oh, it was the <laughs> yeah, well, it's, um, it's just, it's a blog, and I don't, I haven't written on it in about a year. Um, just because, honestly, where's the time? Exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I have a whole YouTube channel, and I was going to say, like, I haven't uploaded a video on there. more time to do it but um after a while i um i posted it on a blog web page and i shared it on my facebook and i was like you know i wrote this because i you know i i couldn't sleep last night i don't know why i felt compelled to write i believe again that was god you know yeah. trying to help me find a way through um and the response i got was nothing like what i imagined um and it was, it was kind of sad at the same time. Like, I, everyone was very supportive, you know, and I loved that um, because it was very raw, um, letting people see that part of you. Um, but there were so many people that are a part of my life, and I never knew that they had to suffer through something like that. Um, and there were a lot of people who were privately reached out, were publicly posted on there, like, I've been there. Mm -hmm. You know, great job for getting out. And, you know, I get a lot of, like comments and stuff about being brave and stuff and I don't ever feel that but I know how that must feel for someone who's too scared to share because I've been there just too nervous and you don't know how that's going to be received so there were a lot of comments like that that made me feel good but all those other comments made me feel so sad that I had no idea that all these people yeah. that I personally know have gone through this and I was just like 
well, was it at a time that we knew each other? Was it a time when we were, you know, actively physically around each other when we were in the same friend group? Did I miss something? And right. that's when I started thinking, like, there's got to be a way to reach people, you know? Like, we've got to share you know, what's, what's going on in these, these situations and raise awareness because you could, if you could live one life, that's all that matters. Um, and that really shook me up to see all those women on there telling me that they had their own separate story with this, and I had no clue. Yeah, and that that's kind of what happened to me when I started opening up to things on social media. Because, you know, at first you don't really want to say anything because you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed, I'm scared people are going to say, you know, people in my hometown are going to talk. But you have to come to realization, people are going to talk regardless, <laughs> regardless yeah. of what you're doing. But I used to have so much feedback. Um, people actually told me, like, thank you for sharing your story. Um, you're so brave. And then you, like, sharing your story, you probably encourage somebody to get out of what they're in. Um, I, pr I pray you have and I feel like you have and I feel like God puts us through situations not just for us and he allows us to endure and persevere but so we can help others yeah. we can share our story, share our testimony and you know let other women know like it's okay or let other men know like this is what's happening out here but you don't have to stay stuck you don't yeah. have to stay grounded there like reach out for help um, absolutely Definitely use your resources. So I love how um, you were so transparent tonight. Um, you. you were so honest and real. Uh, did you get kind of emotional there? But I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Like it's life and it happens. And I definitely will have to bring you back on the podcast. Oh, yeah. um, so, what's one thing you just want to say to somebody that may be struggling um, in a in a domestic abusive relationship? that there is power there is strength there is love there is courage and there is bravery and being vulnerable and letting somebody help you i don't know how many other people deal with you know pride issues i don't like to ask for help i don't like to receive help um and i had to break down some walls and let people help me get out of the situation and heal afterwards mm -hmm. There is power, there's beauty in that, and there's no shame in that whatsoever. And get out there and heal, you know, it's a beautiful process, it's a beautiful feeling. And you know, any way that I can help, if you're watching this, say hey, court is my Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I am here for you 100%. That's all I want to do is to be able to in my home and help people in this situation. Amen. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. <laughs>